Hey, uh, only six days till Christmas. It's time to start freaking out if you haven't yet, okay? If you've still got stuff to buy, I don't know what you're waiting on, but you need to get out there. The economy needs the boost. That's at least what they tell me on CNN. So, uh, so get out there and buy your presents this week and get ready. And, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, though, I do hope that this week will be a little stress-free for you. You can start slowing down a little bit. Uh, I know kids are out of school, which is awesome. Uh, I get excited when kids get out of school, even though I'm not one of them anymore because I used to really get excited when I got out of school. So I, lo- I know y'all are loving that this week. So uh, we're going to continue our message series that we started uh, a couple weeks ago, and we're going to finish it up today. And uh, it's called Do You Hear What I Hear? And we're talking about how different people receive the message of Christ in Scripture. And we're looking specifically in the book of Matthew. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and open to Matthew. If you don't have your Bibles, any Scripture I read will be on the screen here in just a little bit. But uh, Matthew is in the New Testament. <clears throat> but we're talking about... Um, how, how different folks receive the message. And, and we talked a couple weeks ago, uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but how people react differently to the same message. Uh, some people heard the message of Jesus and it was one of comfort for them. And we talked about that the first week with Joseph. Uh, then, then the next week we talked about how King Herod heard the same message that Joseph heard and he responded very differently than Joseph. It was not a message of comfort for him. It was a message that disturbed him, that upset him, that, that cut to the core of who, who he really was. Today, we're going to look at the same exact passage we looked at last week when we talked about Herod, but there were some other characters in this passage that we didn't talk about last week. Some guys that the scripture calls the Magi, and, we're gonna, and, and you might know them as the wise men. And, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you grew up in church or even if you've seen a nativity scene or that kind of stuff, you know there were these guys that were probably on camels is the way they get shown, and, and they brought gifts to Jesus. And the reason you're going to get a gift uh, on next Saturday is because these guys brought gifts to Jesus. So you can thank these guys for the fact that you're going to get like a new car or something or whatever. Uh, by the way, if you are getting a new car, let me know who's giving you gifts, and I want to get on their list, right? But, uh, but whatever, so, so these are the, this is the reason why gifts are given us, because these guys started this tradition when they came to see Jesus. And, uh, and so let's look together at Matthew 2, and I'm going to read you 1 through 12, the same exact verses I read last week, but we're going to talk about the Magi today and not King Herod. It says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense 
and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So this, this if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you might read this passage of Scripture and think, this is a little different than Joseph and Herod. Joseph and Herod, these are two guys that were hearing about Jesus for the very first time. These guys showed up and they already knew a little bit of something. They had enough information that they came and they showed up with a question, which was, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? So, so they kind of had a little bit of info. But I think there's some real important things we can learn uh, uh, about our lives and about lives of people that we deal with on a day-to-day basis when we look at the story of the Magi. And the first thing is this. Everyone is on a search for Jesus. Everyone is on a search for Jesus. Now, when we read this scripture, you might be wondering who the Magi are. Um, you know, it's kind of a strange word. And, and, uh, and, and you need to know that in, in the Bible, these 12 verses is it. That's all the information we've got about the Magi, is what's in these 12 verses. They're not mentioned in the other Gospels, in, in Luke and John and Mark. Uh, and, and so all we know is this, but, but reading, studying, and looking at historical documents and other things like that, one of the things we learn is that the term Magi was kind of a catch-all word that could mean any number of things. It could be, uh, be used for a teacher. Uh, it could be used for a physician. It could be used for someone who interpreted dreams. It could be used uh, for people who were astronomers who studied the stars. And that's what these guys were. And, and the other thing we know about these fellows is, is that the Scripture tells us that they came from the East. Well, one of the things that we know is in that time period, there was a group of a religious group. They were kind of like a Jewish group, but they were off to themselves. They were a religious sect. And what they did is they spent time studying the sky, studying the stars, studying the planets, looking for abnormalities, all that kind of stuff. And so we think these are the guys, some of the ones that came from that group. And so they had been studying, and they had checked out, and they had, they had seen what was going on in, in the heavens, and, 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 uh, and, and they got, all of a sudden they saw something abnormal, and God was beginning to reveal himself to them in something they were familiar with, in an area that, that, they, were already, that they were already familiar with. And so one of the things is that, that you need to understand is that everyone is on a search for Jesus. And you might be saying, hey, hey wait a minute, Cliff. Uh, I work with this dude, and he's on a search for a lot of stuff, but it ain't Jesus, right? Because Jesus isn't in a skirt. That's like the guy, the stuff that I'm working with, this guy, you know, he's on a search for that. Or you might know somebody that they're just on a search for money, or, or they're just on a search for power, or, you know, fame. Man, fame is such a huge one. You see what people will do on reality TV just so that they can become famous, and, and it's obvious some people are on a search for fame. But no matter what these folks are looking for, whether, whether on the outside it looks like they're on a search for sex or, or for money or for fame or for power or for acceptance, all these different things, what it really is, what it really boils down to is they're on a search for fulfillment. They're on a search for spiritual freedom. And those things can only be found in Jesus. That's the whole reason this church exists. That's the reason that our, our mission statement is helping people discover the true freedom only Christ can give. Because the only way you're going to find spiritual freedom, the only way you're going to find fulfillment in this life is through Jesus. You can find it for a short period of time in money, but one day the money's going to run out or one day the money's not going to fulfill you anymore. You can find it for a short period of time in sex, but that's not going to last forever. You can find it for a short period of time in fame and in power and all those other things. But the fulfillment, the freedom that never ends is found in Jesus and everybody is on a search for Jesus whether they know they're on a search for Jesus or not 
And the thing is that what God does, while we're on this search for Jesus, those people that, that haven't yet found Him, that, that God is always speaking to people and revealing Himself to them in areas they are familiar with. God is always speaking to people and revealing Himself to them in areas that they're already familiar with. That's exactly what He did with the Magi. What did these guys look at all the time? What did they study? They studied the stars and the planets. And so God begins to reveal Himself to them through a strange star that He puts in the sky and makes move around. And they say, this is abnormal. we got to check this out. And so they begin to understand and, and get just a little bit of glimpse of, okay, this is, this is supernatural. God must be up to something. And he still does the same thing to today. He reveals himself to people in areas they're already familiar with. He still does it in nature, just like he did with the Magi through a star. He does it in nature today. I, I don't know how many of you have ever stood on the, on the shore of a beach and looked out at the ocean, and, and you just get this sense of, man, I'm really, really small, and there must be something greater than me and bigger than me out there that, that put all this here. And, and I've talked to people who've, who've gone to Niagara Falls and the Grand Canyon and places like that, and they'll say, just seeing that gives you a sense that, that there's a greater power. That there's something out there. God also does it in relationships. People that don't know Jesus, they'll still experience a relationship where they'll experience some unconditional love and, and some forgiveness. And they'll understand, man, I, I got forgiven for something that I didn't deserve to be forgiven for. That, what would cause that to happen? And it's just a little small glimpse of who God is. And he's constantly revealing himself to people in ways they're already familiar with. He does it in the arts. He does it through music and film. You'll, it's amazing. Sometimes I'll go see a, a, a movie or I'll listen to a song and it's, and it's produced or written by somebody who, who doesn't know Jesus, doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, but you'll still see and hear bits of truth in there. The reason that's there, that's God speaking to us. That's God speaking to people that don't know him and saying, here I am, I'm out here. And he's revealing himself in areas that, he's already, that people are already familiar with. And he did the exact same thing with the Magi. It was a star for them. For us, it might be something else. And so God is always naturally revealing himself. A lot of theologians and people smarter than me call that natural revelation. Where, where you, you're not reading a book, you're not talking to anybody, but you have a sense that God's real, that God's there. And that's natural revelation where God's doing that. But I want you to look at the scripture again here, Matthew, because natural revelation, God revealing himself in ways we were already familiar with, through nature and music and movies and relationships, natural revelation can only take us so far. It can't take us all the way. Look at verse 2. When the Magi showed up, Look at this, they had a question. Now they'd already been seeing the star, but then they showed up and they said this, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. The, the natural revelation got them to Jerusalem. It got them to a certain point, but now they're at a point where, where they need some inside information. They need to know more than what they know. They, they, need, to, they need to have some truth spoken to them. When, uh, when I went to college, uh, which is a long time ago now, uh, I graduated from high school in 1987 and, uh, and went to college and, and I went to uh, Charleston Southern University uh, down in Charleston. It used to be called Baptist College at Charleston. Now it's Charleston Southern University. I know some of y'all are like, wait a minute, you didn't go to the University of South Carolina? Why are you such a big Gamecock fan? Well, listen, I grew up in Columbia and CSU didn't even have a football team back then, so I don't have to explain myself. But anyway... Um, <laughs> So, uh, but I went, to, I went to Charleston Southern, and, uh, and when I got there, I was on a search. Now, I wasn't on a search for a wife, 
but I was on a search for girls, okay? And, uh, and you know, some of you guys can feel where I'm coming from on that when you went to school or that kind of thing. And, uh, but I didn't know it, but I really was on a search for a wife, but, you know, but I thought I was on a search for girls. And, uh, and I got down there, and, and uh, this, this girl caught my attention, and um, she's a little short girl and uh, had big old blue eyes and long eyelashes, and man, those, that really got my attention, those eyes and those eyelashes. And, uh, and, and, I, and I started to, to notice her, and, and uh, she seemed like she was a lot of fun. Everybody liked her and all this kind of stuff. She was really pretty, and, and, uh, and so I started to, to, uh, to try to get to know her. I even met her one time. But, but I didn't, but, but that, that just took me to a certain point and I didn't feel like I, I, I could go any further. So I started trying to get some inside information. So I started asking people about her and asking around. And, you know, I found out, they told me that she was from this, this town called Traveler's Rest. And I was like, dude, that sounds like a place you stop to go to the bathroom. You know, what's up? Because I grew up in Columbia. I'd never heard of a Traveler's Rest or anything like that. And, and, uh, and then they told me she was a music major. And so I even, this, this is, you know, kind of information I was going so for, so bad. I heard she was a music major, so the music department was having a concert one night where all these people were like singing opera, and I showed up just because I knew she was going to be there playing the piano, so I wanted to see some of that. And, uh, and I didn't pay attention to that, but I just looked at that girl playing the piano the whole time with the big blue eyes. And, uh, and so then I started, you know, I had a friend of mine, and I started asking him about her, and I said, hey, why don't you call her and get her to, to go somewhere with a bunch of us, and I'll just show up and all this kind of stuff. And so I was working it trying to get some inside information to get that relationship going. And now, you know, this June, it'll be 20 years that I've been married to this little blue-eyed girl. And, uh, and, and, and it all started with me noticing her, and that relationship could only go so far, and then I needed some inside information. I needed to find out the details and try to get in on the inside track. And with the Magi, this natural revelation that God had, had revealed to them took them to a point but it got them to a place that got them to Jerusalem and they were kind of stuck and they needed some inside scoop. They needed the inside information. Well, where do you go to find the inside information about Jesus? Where do you go to find the inside scoop about what God's doing in the world? Well, look at the answer that they got. And then verse 2, they said, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? And then look at verses 3 through 6. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. That's his reaction to them saying king of the Jews. Look at verse 4. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. Now, where did they get that information? Look what it says. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Now, where did that answer come from? You don't have to turn there, but there's a book in the Old Testament in your Bible that you're holding called Micah. And if you look at Micah 5.2 on the screen, look what it says. It says, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now, doesn't that sound exactly like the answer that the chief priests and the teachers of the law gave to the Magi? When you want the inside information, when you want the inside scoop about what God's doing and, and about how this natural revelation has brought you this far, now how do you go further? You go to Scripture. 
That's exactly where the answer about who Jesus was and what was going to go on with him was found. The, 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 the natural revelation that the star and all that kind of stuff, it took the Magi to a certain point. But to go further, they needed to hear the Word of God. They needed to hear the Scripture. And this search that the people you know, and maybe you're on this search, and you're here today, and, and you're hearing about Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with Him, or you know someone that does have a relationship with Him, and, and, and if you're on that search, natural revelation and looking at things and, and feeling the, the goodness of God will take you to a certain point. But when you get to that point, you've got to have the truth of the Word of God spoken. You've got to listen to that. You've got to try to understand that so you can hear the story about how Jesus died on the cross for you. You can hear the story about how He came back to life. See, God will always reveal Himself naturally. He is faithful to do that. But in order for people to change from searchers to worshipers, they need to hear the Word of God. See, the, the Magi were searchers. They were searching for God, but they weren't yet worshipers. But to go from searchers to worshipers, which later they became worshipers, what did it take? It took the Word of God. It took them here in Micah 5, 2, where it said, hey, that baby's going to be born in Bethlehem. That's where he's going to show up. You see, and, and God will always reveal himself to people, and they will feel his presence, but they will never learn everything they need to know about Jesus. They will never learn everything they need to, do, to know about the gospel by staring at the Grand Canyon or listening to a song by you 2 They've got to hear the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says this. This is in the New Testament, further into the New Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote this. Faith comes from what? Say it out loud with me. Hearing. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. You can't get saved just looking at the ocean and saying, man, God's a big God. It says you've got to hear the truth about the Scripture. You've got to understand that Jesus died on the cross. You've got to understand that He came back to life. And you've got to hear that through Scripture. Faith comes from hearing the Word, and the Word comes from the Word of Christ. That's vital to who we are. And so God will naturally reveal, but that natural revelation is to get us to a certain point to where then the truth of the Bible, either we read it ourselves, we hear someone say it, someone shares it with us in our life, whatever it might be. And I think for those of us who are followers of Jesus, if you're here today and you'd say, man, yeah, that's me, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, whatever you want to call it, that's what I am. I'm committed, that, that's the person I am. I think for those of us that are followers of Christ, we oftentimes, we take the, the, the gift that the Bible is, we take it for granted. Because we, we've got this, this big, mysterious God who seems so far away, and, and, and we've got all these questions and don't understand about how He operates and, and, and all this kind of stuff, and then He's given us a book with page after page after page of, of truth in it about here's who I am. Here's how I want to deal with you. Here's what I think about who you are. Here's how I've operated throughout history. Here's where things began. Here's where things are going. Here's what I'm going to do in the future. All of that's found within the pages of the Bible. And too often times, we put it up on a shelf, and then you might bring it out on Sunday morning, but chances are you don't because you know I'm going to have it up here on the screen for you. And so you don't ever open it up for yourself, and we've got this great gift that is so powerful. And we need to know it as followers of Jesus so that when people like the Magi come along and they say, hey, what's the deal with Jesus? Where's the one who's going to be born king of the Jews? What's going on with this? Why is God doing this? Why do I feel this way? We can give them answers 
because we've looked at it ourselves. We've read it. It's become a part of who we are. We've got to be the ones to give the inside information. I've got a, a guy that I went to seminary with that I haven't spoken to since I left seminary back in New Orleans. But uh, I used to work on the grounds crew there at seminary and, and cut the grass and weed eat and all that kind of stuff. And uh, when, when we first got there and trying to make a little money so we could live. And, and um, this guy worked on the grounds crew with me. And so we'd hang out talking and stuff. And, and uh, he was telling me the story about how he, he came to know Jesus. He was telling the story about how he became a follower of Christ. And he said that um, he, was, he was like a lot of people. He was on a search for Jesus but didn't know it. And he was trying to just see how many girls he could get with and how drunk he could get and all the different things that, that people do when they're, when they're uh, apart from God and trying to find him and, and uh, just really kind of living for himself. And uh, he said that he got to a point where he just realized that wasn't fulfilling to him and he had a friend that was telling him, hey, man, you need to go to church with me. You know, you, you need to give your life over to Christ. But the, the friend wasn't giving him a whole lot of information other than say, hey, quit doing what you're doing and, and get saved kind of a thing. But he, he wasn't really telling him how and, and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and this guy, that I, this guy's name was Lynn, and Lynn kept saying, no, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And, and so Lynn was working construction, and he worked for this company where they'd go out of town and they'd work. They'd stay out of town for a week, and and they'd work long hours. And so they'd work all day. And usually after work, they'd go to the bar and hang out. And then they'd go to their hotel where they were staying and crash and get up by six the next morning and do it all over again. Well, one night he said that he just had had enough. He wasn't going to go and to hang out with the other guys. And he went back to his room and he said he was just feeling so lost and not knowing what what was going on in life. And and uh, he said that he just said out loud. He just prayed. He said. God, I don't know who you are, but I'd like to find out. And he said he opened his eyes and he looked over and what was laying beside the bed but is a Bible that the Gideons put in there. And I don't know if you know the Gideons are groups of their, their businessmen and they pay, uh, buy Bibles and put them in hotels all over the country. I know you've seen them if you've ever stayed at a hotel. And so he said, well, I guess I ought to read this Bible. And so he opened it up and his friend had told him that the stuff about Jesus was in the New Testament. That's all he knew. So he found the part that said New Testament, and he said he just started reading. He said he didn't really understand everything he read, but he started reading, and he said he read, and he read, and he read, and he kept reading, and he was reading these stories about Jesus, and he was reading about him healing people and all this different stuff, and he was reading the, he got to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 where, where Jesus is talking about unconditional love, and, and he's talking about letting your light shine before men and all this good stuff, and he kept reading it and reading it, and he said he finally, he said he just started crying. And he said he closed the Bible up and he said he got down on his knees and he said, God, I don't understand who you are, but this Jesus seems real and I want him to come and change my life. And that was where his relationship with Christ started. Now, it took him a long time from there to get to where he was in seminary. He had to have some people come beside him and help him out and get him involved in a church and those kinds of things. But it started when he read the Word of God. He had had Jesus revealed to him naturally for a long time. He had sensed it. He had thought something was different. But where it all became real was when he got that inside information and he read it for himself in the Bible. He read the Word of God. And just like for the Magi, it was the same thing. Oh, we see a star. This looks interesting. But that only took them so far. What did they have to hear? They had to hear the Word of God. And then the search for them ended when they found Jesus. Now, once the search for Jesus is over, the proper response is to worship Him. The proper response is to worship Him. Look at verses 9 through 11 of Matthew chapter 2. 
It says this, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. When they found what they were searching for, they finally found the king of the Jews. They did what all of us have to do when we finally come face to face with Jesus. And that is to put everything that we've tried to hold on to aside and to give it over to him and bow down and worship him. Now what we know about people from that part of the world at that time, from the east, when they worshiped, they would get down on their knees and they would bow all the way down and put their face on the ground. And that's the way, that was the, the way that they experienced worship. So you can imagine, here's these guys, powerful men. And by the way, we don't know if there was only three. There could have been more. Scripture doesn't tell us only three, but I think the reason we do three is because that fits well in a nativity scene. If you had like 12 or something, it would just look like Jesus was way outnumbered, right? So, uh, so but here's these guys, and who knows how many it was? Three, 12, 16, 20, who knows? But they show up and, and they come face to face and here's who we've been searching for and they just they bow down on their faces. And not only do they bow down, they take very, very expensive gifts, more, worth more money than probably Mary had ever seen in her life. And they take them and they give them. And it was an indication. It was an indication. The bowing down is an indication of I'm giving you my whole life and the giving over the gifts was and I'm giving you everything I've got. I'm giving you everything financially I've got. I'm giving you everything that, that, that I'm ever going to get. It's all yours because you're the king and we're below you. Now these were the kind of people that today we look up to. They were powerful. They were rich. They were probably famous in the part of the world they came from. And those were the ones that bowed down to Jesus. It would be like today if Bill Gates and Donald Trump and somebody else showed up and they bowed down to Jesus and said, here it all, here Jesus, here's all of Microsoft, it's yours, here's everything else. How, how impressed would we, would we be with that? We would be really impressed because we look up to these people like they're something special. But it's no different if they're famous, if they're rich, or if they're, they're just some guy you know and they don't have anything. All of us at some point have, are going to bow down to Christ. The scripture says we're either going to bow down to him now because we want to or one day there's going to come a day called the judgment day and we're all going to bow down to Jesus then whether we want to or not. And the thing is, we do it now. And if you do it now, then you gain the eternal life that he gives. You gain the abundant life that he can give you now. And that's what the Magi did. They came face to face with what they were searching for and they went from searchers to worshipers and they gave their lives over to him. So my question for you today, I've got a couple of them. One of them is this. Are you a searcher or are you a worshiper? Are you at the point to where you're saying, I'm still trying to figure out who Jesus is or I'm asking questions? Or are you the person that said, I've already given my life to him and I'm a worshiper? If you're still a searcher, if you're still a searcher for Jesus, what you need to understand is that's, your search is over when you find him. All this other stuff that you're trying to do, it's always going to leave you empty inside. The only way you're going to find fulfillment, the only way you're going to experience spiritual freedom is in Jesus. And so let the search end today by saying, I recognize that and I give my life to Jesus. I accept the fact that he died on the cross for me and I'm going to give him my life. The second group of you, if you say I'm a worshiper, then let me ask you this. Does your lifestyle, does the way you act at work, does the way you act in your home when no one else is around, does the way you act in front of your kids and in front of your parents, 
does that line up with the lifestyle of a worshiper? Are you living the way that you should live? Are you bowing down to Jesus in every aspect of your life? Are you giving the gifts to Him in every aspect of your life? Or is there something you're holding back? Are you saying, yeah, I'm a worshiper, but I'm going to hold back my checkbook. Or I'm a worshiper, and I'm going to hold back my life at school because I'm popular there, and I'm afraid of what other kids are going to think about me. Whatever it might be. But are you a searcher or a worshiper? And if you are a worshiper, are your, is your life lining up with that? And if you are a searcher, what are you waiting for? You've found Jesus. You know about who he is. It's time for you to give your life over to him. So I want you to bow your heads. If you're here today and you in the you're a group you would in, you're in the group that would say that you're a searcher. All you have to do to end that search and become a worshiper is to do pretty much what the magi did and say, "Jesus, you're in, you're in control now. I give you my life. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me, and I know that I'm a sinner and I give you my life." So if you want to do that, I want you to pray these words after me if you're a searcher today. And you have to mean them in your heart. You pray this. Jesus, I've been on a search for you my whole life. I've tried to find you in a lot of different ways. But I know the truth of who you are now. I know you died on a cross for me. I know you rose again. And I want to give you my whole life. I'm not going to hold anything back. Please change me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're a, you prayed that prayer today for the first time, I want you to tell me. I'd like to know that. Because we'd like to put a Bible in your hand, get you some information, some other things like that. If uh, you are, um, are here and, and, and you say, Cliff, I prayed that kind of prayer a long time ago, but there's still some stuff in my life that don't line up, then my encouragement to you would be, first and foremost, get the Bible out and read it for yourself. Um, you can come talk to me, and I can tell you what the Bible says, but, but you'll forget it before you get in your car and drive away from my office. But if you read it for yourself every day, if you read that Bible every day, you're going to find out that the truth of it begins to get into your heart, and you begin to live different. You begin to think different. You begin to act different day after day. And uh, what I would love for us to do for, for, for this church to become is, is the church where people know, hey, um, you want to know about what the Bible says? You want to understand about what God's doing in Scripture? Ask somebody that goes to Freedom Fellowship. I don't know what it is, but those people read their Bible every day. They're weird. That would be awesome if our church got that reputation. Wouldn't that be so cool? Hey, the band's going to come up, and, uh, and we're going to sing a closing song. And uh, as they come, I just I do want to challenge you. Um, we're getting ready to start a new year, just a couple weeks. It's a good time to start new things. If you don't have a Bible you understand, go get you one. You can, you can download the Bible online. There's a great online Bible called YouVersion, Y-O-U version. It's free, and uh, you can get it on your, I've got it on my phone. You can get it on any mobile device you got. You can get it on your computer. So you don't even have to go buy a Bible if you don't want to. And, uh, and you can read it in a, in a translation you can understand. And I would love for this time next year for us to have about 100, 200, 300 people that say, hey, I read the whole Bible in 2011. I read the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation. Did I understand it all? No, there was some weird stuff in Leviticus. But I read the whole thing. <laughs>
And what you're going to find out is that even as you read it, some of that stuff that seems weird, as you read all of it, it's going to make sense because you're going to read something in the New Testament and say, ah, oh, that's why that weird thing was in Leviticus, right? And, uh, and so I would love for us to do that and just become a church that, because when we do that, if, if we're going to know Scripture, then we're going to know who Jesus is. And if we're going to know who Jesus is, it's going to change the way we live and that's going to change our community. And so it's all got to start with what we're putting into our brains and our hearts every day.